This is Diapers and Disciples, episode 37. On Diapers and Disciples, we're talking about living out the Great Commission as a mom. I'm Amber O'Hearn, and today's chat is with mama and artist Michelle Payne. Michelle shares her spiritual journey and how art has played a role in bringing her to the Catholic Church and closer to the Lord. We also talk about why beautiful art is important in our faith lives and some of the challenges of pursuing her professional work as a mom of two little ones. Thanks for listening in. Here's my chat with Michelle. Hi, Michelle. Thanks so much for joining me today. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. It is such a joy to finally speak with you because as we were just talking about, (laughs) we had this scheduled probably like months ago, and then we've had to reschedule a few times, and uh, finally we're here chatting. So I'm so, so grateful to be chatting with you. Um, I thought maybe we could start off and you could tell us a little bit about you and about your life as a mom. I'm an artist. Um, I went to school for art and art history and English, and, um, and I'm a painter. I have two little girls. They are five and three, and they're very sweet. <laughs> we, um, my, I became Catholic as an adult. My husband became Catholic as an adult. We didn't meet until um, immediately after his confirmation, and we um, we are older than our friends who are parents here in Ohio, but we were sort of average for our friends who were parents when we lived in Massachusetts. So I grew up outside Chicago, um, went to college in Massachusetts, lived, um, there and also abroad for, um, New England mostly for 15 years. And then we just moved to Ohio two and a half years ago, which may seem like a long time, but, um, it isn't when you're like halfway through your life. So <laughs> <laughs> we uh, just moved to, so my parents are here in Ohio and we just moved back to Ohio um, like a little over a year ago. And it seems like it was just like last month <laughs> that, that we moved, we moved here. Um, but we, we love Ohio. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but it just is, it's like a lovely place to raise a family, I think. <laughs> How is it different from being on the East Coast? Well, it is. Um, we've been really pleased with the like the opportunities for Christian community that we've found here. Um, I think in general that like those, well, Christian community is stronger in general and the possibilities, there's just more openness and more options for both um, family friendly things, but then also, um, there's more ministries, more younger people, um, and young families who are interested in faith and in really building faith. Um, that was at least different from our experience in New England. Mm -hmm. Um, and we like the, um, that it's more affordable than New England. <laughs> yeah, definitely. We actually have a, a better life here on less money. Um, that so it's so that's different in a positive way. Um, in terms, there's not as I mean in our particular area where we live, there is not quite as many like um, artistic and cultural opportunities as I was mm. sort of. Uh, used to, um, around Boston, but I'm 
trying to make use of both um, the digital continent, so the mm. um, <laughs> what we're able to do with technology, and then also just be creative about how um, how I can share my gifts mm. in new ways. Yeah. Neat. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, I, I'm curious. I mean, we weren't planning on talking about this, but have you found like new ways to use your gifts or to like explore that now that there's maybe not as much of a, I don't know if you'd call it like a creative community or creative outlets? So there's, yeah, so there's like not as many, um, like there's not so much a gallery scene or like as many exhibition opportunities through either nonprofit gallery spaces or commercial gallery spaces in this part of Ohio. But I have, um, I've taken, um, advantage of, you know, like the town hall, like has a different show every month up in its lobby area, for example. So Mm -hmm. I've taken advantage of opportunities like that, but then also, you know, um, we, was it like a year, I guess it was about a year ago. Um, there, a woman at my church helped host a fundraiser for the monks of Norcia, which is a um, it's a Benedictine monastery in Italy, founded by an American at the site of the birthplace of Saint Benedict. Um, mm-hmm. But they had a terrible earthquake a couple a year or two ago. You may remember and. Um, the, I mean, their monastery after the third or fourth earthquake in a row, um, you know, basically crumbled and they had to, they're like building a new one outside of town. So they had, they hosted a fundraiser at, at, um, their parish. And I called up my friend who works with this woman and I said, you know, um, it's going to be in the church gym. I said, what if I brought some of my architecture paintings, which are inspired by Italy and just set Mm. them up to like, um, create some atmosphere basically. Um, and you know, then if I, if I sell anything, like I'll donate a portion of the proceeds to the monks. Mm. So, um, that, so through that, I, you know, I met some new people and, um, it, it led to things down the road, although I didn't sell a great deal, um, at that particular moment. But then I actually ended up doing a painting of, the basilica which now is like basically in ruins um and i have prints of like i'm selling prints of that and donating some of the proceeds to the monks and things like that so Mm. that's you know just because i called up and said how about i bring some paintings to the school gym (laughs) like to the Mm. the church gym um but it's you know it's led to some great new relationships, and we were actually able to go and visit the the monks when we went to Italy last year, and um, That's neat. yeah. So I've just like I said, creative things that, and you never know. I mean, you meet somebody, and you just never know what might happen later on in life, um, or whether that might be a month or a year, or even. I mean, honestly, even ten or fifteen years down the road. Um, the kinds of when you make a connection or when you offer yourself. Yeah, I, I love that. I feel like um, a lot of times, you know, in, in different aspects of life, when there's a major change in your life or a move, um, 
you know, it upsets kind of like the rhythm and like the environment that you're used to. And so I just love that initiative of figuring, figuring out, okay, you know, we're in a new place and let's see, let me make some phone calls or, you know, whatever it is, be open to new opportunities. I think that's awesome. Mm-hmm. So um, I wanted to ask you, Michelle, were you artistic as a child or is this something that has kind of evolved over the years? I have always been artistic. I have, um, I was, I've always drawn and painted like on the back of my dad's, com- you know, the, my dad's computer paper drafts. Uh, <laughs> all of my pictures as a child were, <laughs> okay, so this is how old I am. They were on the paper that had the perforated um, holes on right. either side because it had to go on the little, I don't know what you call it, like little spindle things of the dot matrix printer and those green and white stripes on the back so that it was like easier for reading, you know, data spreadsheet type things. <laughs> <laughs> that was what I made all my pictures on. Um, and you know, and, and even like at the age of two, I was, I was making actual pictures, like not just scribbles. And I, there's a story that once I, um, apparently my, I think my mom heard this from a neighbor that I had gone out into the neighborhood, like selling my drawings door to door. So cute. it was, it, you know, it, through in school and stuff, I was a very good student for a while. I, you know, I was, I thought that I wanted to, um, like I studied English, I thought I wanted to go into publishing or into art history or something a little bit more um, verbal and academic in nature, but that the creative artistic part of me has always been there. And eventually I decided that that was what I really wanted to be focused on. Hmm. That's great. So to someone who has no background in art like myself, <laughs> um, why would you say beautiful art is important to faith life? How, how are the two related? Well, I think God created lots of beautiful things um, like trees and flowers and sunsets and mountains and so many things. So I think that that shows us that that's part of who God is and what his nature is and what he desires for the world. Um, and so I think when, if we're going to be, you know, the, the best version of ourselves or like who God, you know, the most of that God created us to be, then I think it's that we should nurture that as well and, and, um, create things that are beautiful. And then also if church and faith, you know, if church is supposed to reflect God's nature and then beauty is part of God's nature. So then our buildings and what we, you know, put in them should reflect that characteristic of God. And, um, and so we should try to make them a little bit pretty and, and not everybody does. Yeah. I think that, I think it's an, I think it's important. Um, and, and also I think, um, worship is, you know, it's, well, so we have, like, we have scripture, which is sort of, is verbal and can be, you know, intellectual, but um, God created us to be physical beings. And so I think our worship of him can be sensory based as well, um, you know, in the in the Catholic church and a lot of different denominations, you know, we kneel, we stand, we sing. So, you know, singing, for example, is 
you know, our, the senses of our ears and we appreciate, you know, the, be- the beauty of music. And so I think it should be, it can be, should be, and God wants it to be the same for, um, you know, for our eyes as well. Hmm. Yeah, that's great. That's beautiful. So as you know, um, your art, your uh, painting is, you know, your work life. Do you feel like it's also can be part of your prayer life or because it's like your work life, is it hard to have that be a part of like the worship that you were talking about? I mean, I have prayer time that's just, you know, me sitting and reading and writing. Um, but I, when I'm working on my paintings, I, um, like, I feel like I am praying too, because I think there's a lot of elements of the creative process that are, are kind of similar to the way that we relate to God. Um, Hmm. in a sense, sometimes we, like we have to correct or be corrected. Um, sometimes we have to sort of just like embrace the unknown. Um, so like, wow, I don't really know what's going to happen with this, with this painting. I'm kind of afraid to start it. Um, and, but I, I just need to go ahead and do it and move forward like with faith. Um, and sometimes, you know, I make something and say like, wow, that was not a good choice of colors. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> That's terrible. That was a pretty terrible choice. Um, and, and be willing to, you know, just say, okay, that was, that was bad. And we're going to just paint over it. And, and, but what, like for, for me, um, a lot of times when I paint over something, there'll be little, you know, pieces of what was underneath that shows through. And I'll realize at the end of the painting that if it, there hadn't been two paintings underneath, it wouldn't have like the sort of luminous texture that it has. Mm. So it's, you know, sort of like when you go through life and, you know, you say, okay, well that, that job wasn't like the best, (laughs) that wasn't the best choice of directions to go. Um, But, you know, you still learn things from that experience that, that come into play and are useful for later on, even though, um, you know, so the way can be windy and, and crooked um, in the creative process as well. And I feel like that it's it's so much a metaphor for um, how I relate to God and how I move through life. Um, and there is, you know, so there is that, that openness, which um, we have in prayer as well. Hmm. Yeah, that's beautiful. Maybe you could walk us through like what the creative process looks like for you and um, like where does the inspiration come for for your paintings? Um, I'm working through, I I continue to work through that like as um, especially right in this period of my life where I'm, you know, because of like childcare and costs and that we don't, we aren't close to our family here. Um, I don't have as much time and energy levels with young children. Mm -hmm. I don't have as much time or energy to work on my painting as I would like to. And so, um, I've struggled in the last couple of years, uh, to sort of find my 
groove again with my work and I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting back, I'm getting back there. And, um, the thing that happened last year that helped me get back on track was we took a trip. Um, we took a trip to Italy in the fall with our kids and it was, it had, it had been nine years since I had been there. Um, Italy, like Italy plays a huge part in my life and in my conversion story and in my vocation as an artist and my vocation as a Catholic. And it's just an incredibly beautiful place and hmm. on many, many levels. So, um, I, I had known for a long time, like we, that we needed to go back there and just because of, you know, babies and moving and babies and moving (laughs) 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 happened again. Um, and we, we just hadn't been able to, but, um, but honestly just be like being in the presence of, you know, this incredible architecture, this incredible art, which is, I mean, it's really unlike anything that we have in the U S on, in so many ways. Um, the, the level of, of financial and community investment in civic and religious places in Italy, in the middle ages and Renaissance is like beyond our imagination. I mean, like if we put everything that we put into, not even everything, just if we put even like a fraction of the amount of money that you put into a football stadium, into a church, like what would happen? But football stadiums aren't even like, they're not even designed to be the most beautiful thing. So if we put like a little bit of that in there too, I mean, imagine what we could, what we could do. And there's, there's just artwork um, on every corner and there's so much there. And yet we have so much Italian art in all of our museums. I was just talking to a friend about this a few weeks ago as we're like, you know, walking through the Detroit Institute of Arts and we're like, look at all this Italian art that's not in Italy. And when you go to Italy, there's so much more Italian yeah. art. Huh. In the 14th, like, how much art was there in Italy? In the <laughs> Mind blowing. Um, I, I don't know where I was going with this whole conversation. Oh, inspiration. Um, so I, um, art history inspires me a lot. I mean, not like you know, the necessarily the history of it, but just like going to museums um, and seeing what other artists have done, going to galleries and seeing what other contemporary artists have done and being in nature inspires me um, being in beautiful constructed spaces. So, you know, like the sacred spaces of Italy that uh, I find really inspiring. Um, I find the human body really ex- inspiring. I go to um, a drawing, a figure drawing group about once a month, and you know they like hire a model, and we all you know chip in for that and spend you know three hours drawing um, the model. And um, so that's the, you know, that's another sort of line that my, that my artwork takes. So there's, there's just so many, so many things. And I feel like I have to, I, 
in this stage of my life, I have to remember that I need those things to be inspired. And I have to like seek out, seek them out in a way that I didn't when I was, um, well, when I was single, when I was like teaching and a little bit more active professionally, because I was less active in my home life because I didn't have family. Mm -hmm. Sure. (laughs) Uh, So that's, that's something that I, I've been more had to be more conscious of reminding myself that it, the making has to be balanced also by the by the inspiration like you can't just make and make and make um without um finding something that you want to make things about like having some sort of idea or um you know, nugget of beauty to begin with. Mm. That's great. Um, I wanted to backtrack a little bit because you mentioned um, Italy just being an important part of your life in general. Um, Maybe you could tell us a little bit about um, just how you came to know the Lord and how you came to the Catholic Church. And um, I know you mentioned that that was, was it through a trip to Italy? Well, so... Um, partially, but part of the answer to the question was through a, a trip to Italy. I, I grew up, um, in an evangelical Protestant family and, you know, very, you know, very devout and always my teacher, my parents taught me, you know, all about Jesus and to, in reading the Bible. And we always went to church. And, um, so I've always, um, that's always been a part of my life. Faith has always been a part of my life and knowing that that was important and seeking to, to do the right thing. And also, um, wanting to know Jesus. Um, when I was in college, then I, when we traveled some is that when I was a, a child too, when I was in college, I spent a year studying in Italy art history and studio art. And, um, during that year, then when I was, you know, like we were just saying, surrounded by all of this beauty and a great deal of it is of, you know, religious subject matter. And a great deal of that religious subject matter is focused on the Virgin Mary. Um, so that's you know something that was different for me as a Protestant. Um, I mean, there's literally Mary on every street corner and in every you know in every church because mm. Italy is almost entirely Catholic still. Um, very few, you know, very few Protestant churches. So, um, having the the background in scripture and in faith, I it was, it was more than just an intellectual, like, okay, I just got to learn like who painted this and when, but I was really questioning like, why do we have Mary in every single church? Cause you know, Jesus is supposed to be the center of everything. And, um, like, this is just confirming everything I ever heard about Catholics that like, <laughs> have this disproportionate interest in Mary that is a little bit questionable. Um, so, but but I did want to understand it. And as I was studying the work, the, um, the art, I, that did help me, um, to understand. And some, some of the imagery 
especially the imagery of the Virgin Mary when it was um, juxtaposed with Old Testament prophecies of the virgin birth. Um, there's a particular painting by Fra Angelico where you have the Annunciation in the foreground. So the angel Gabriel and the Virgin Mary, um, when Gabriel says to Mary, you know, that she's going to bear a son. And then in the background, like far up on this hill in the corner, there's, there's Adam and Eve leaving the garden. And so, you know, as I'm reading and researching and encountering images like this, um, it's like, well, you know, why is Adam and Eve in this picture of that's about Mary um, and Jesus? And, you know, the reason is, is because Mary's yes, when she says, may it be to me, as you have said in Luke 2, um, is the reversal. It's that her obedience counteracts Eve's disobedience in the Garden of Eden. So through Mary's yes, then Jesus can come and redeem uh, the sin that Adam and Eve brought into the world. So they're really very, very closely related, these two episodes in, in history. So things like that, it's like, like that makes perfect sense to me um, and is really beautiful. And without this picture, without this painting, I couldn't have understand it, stood it quite so well. And it's, it's really just such a beautiful picture. <laughs> I like to look at it. Um, so, so things like that um, kind of introduced me to uh, many Catholic ideas and, and doctrines. And then also when I was in Italy, um, I did two different programs. I spent the fall, a fall semester in Florence and then the spring semester um, in Orvieto, which is um, one hour north of Rome and two hours south of Florence. And I, be, I also um, met people, in, particularly in, the, in Orvieto, who um, had a strong devotion to Mary and who, um, you know, as I began to get to know them, helped me to understand and work through some of, of these questions that I had and some of the things that, um, that I was learning and discovering and in exchange. And this was the, really the beautiful part about all of this was, um, you know, they were so taken by these American students who really seemed excited about their faith because my, my college was an evangelical Christian college. So, um, we were, we were actually hosted in, um, a convent that had been a boarding school, which is now a religious hospitality house. And, you know, the sister, one of the sisters came to me one day and she said, she's like, I wake up in the morning and I just trip over students reading their Bible everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but she's, what she said was, she said, we have a chapel. They can go to the chapel. Oh. <laughs> um, and, but, you know, for, for Protestants, like we, you know, the, the students didn't feel like they needed to go to the chapel necessarily. Mm -hmm. They could just sit in the stairwell and read their Bible. And that's, that's perfectly fine. But, but she was, it wasn't so much about using the chapel. It was sort of like, wow, they're really, they're really serious about this. And you know, not, this is kind of unusual for the, um, the, you know, the young people that, <laughs> that I know around here. Mm -hmm. um, and, and then also just, you know, as the group of artists, like people were just, um, 
really interested in the fact that you know these young Americans were so taken with um, with faith and with the art of Italy. So what ended up happening was I I did that semester and then and that was actually the first semester of a of um, the study abroad program that Gordon College had was piloting. They did a second pilot semester right after I graduated and I went back as a sort of an an RA kind of person um, to work that semester. And then a year after that, they began a, you know, every semester year round study abroad program. And I worked as the program coordinator then on site there for two and a half years. Wow. So, um, so those relationships that I spoke of, those people that I met when, you know, when I was in college, I, they, it sparked something in me so that when, you know, I was talking to the professors the next year and they're like, you know, we're going back to Italy and we need an assistant and they need to do like all these things. And I said, I can do that. Like I can speak Italian. I can organize the trips. I can do like, I'll do all mm-hmm. these things. Um, take me back. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, so they did. So I was able to return and develop these relationships um, with people, but also with the, you know, I'm going to say like <laughs> the content of the place because Orvieto in particular um, is unique because it houses the relic of a Eucharistic miracle, the miracle of Bolsena. Oh, okay. Uh, so the miracle of Bolsena is, um, it's a, so it's a miracle. There was a priest that was making a pilgrimage to Rome in the 1200s and he was, um, he, he had been doubting that the the Eucharist was really the body and blood of Christ. And so he stopped in the town of Bolsena, which is very close to Orvieto, to say Mass. And when he was consecrating the host, blood dripped from it onto the altar cloth and onto the altar. And, um, you know, his his doubts went away. Right. <laughs> it was truly the body and blood. And the, the altar cloth from that miracle is is now in the cathedral of Orvieto because um, Orvieto was a town, you know, relatively close to Rome, but also on this plateau, which made it um, a safe place when Rome was under invasion or, you know, <laughs> had a plague going around or um, all these things that happened in the Middle Ages. So the, the Pope lived in Orvieto, was living in Orvieto when this miracle happened. And so the people you know, just walked from Bolsena eight miles away and, and brought the relic to the Pope. Um, Mm. this was, this was actually at the time of Thomas Aquinas and Thomas Aquinas was there with the Pope in Orvieto. And the following year, the Pope declared, um, the feast of Corpus Christi. So the, the, you know, the feast of the body and blood of Christ that the Catholic church celebrates every year now on the church calendar, it's coming up a week from Sunday. And so that's was sort of a direct, one of the direct consequences of this Eucharistic miracle. Um, and, and that's all, you know, that's all in Orvieto where I was working and where I was studying. So, you know, when I went into the cathedral, like I could see that, that altar cloth with those spots on it in, in the, in the adoration chapel, which once I figured out what adoration was, mm-hmm. I knew it was the adoration chapter chapel, but I knew it was the prayer chapel at any rate. And so I, um, I sort of had to, 
to really confront the Eucharist in a way that um, a lot of Protestants, I don't think, are are asked so directly to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I really felt like God was asking me, like, do you believe that this is the body and blood of Christ? And if you, and, you know, do you believe like the stories that are painted on these walls? Because in that chapel, then there's um, paintings of other Eucharistic miracles. And do you believe that the lives of these people that you have met, do you believe that that's that, you know, the love and the community and the, the church that you've experienced, do you believe that that's true and that that's an expression of um, my body and my blood? And, you know, I sort I had to say, well, yes. And so then it's like, okay, well, I guess I have to be Catholic. Mm, like, wow. <laughs> um, I don't have any other option. Um, so, so that was how that all came about. And so I was confirmed, um, when I was 23 and that was in 2001 and I went through RCIA in the U S in one of those in between years, but I was actually confirmed in Orvieto, um, in the cathedral at Easter. Beautiful. So it was really, um, I don't know. The story gets more dramatic every time I, I tell it. I mean, I don't mean like I'm exaggerating. Mm-hmm. I just mean every time I think about it, I think that's just amazing. Like, yeah. so I'm just, just mom in Ohio. Like, I don't know. It's, um, you know, so God really, uh, he, he really works um, in powerful way through all those experiences. So that's why, <laughs> When we went to Orbiano, went to Italy last November, I really needed to go. I needed to reconnect with my spiritual home. And I came home also with, um, you know, sort of a renewed inspiration for, for painting and for, um, you know, carrying on some of the, the art projects that had kind of dwindled mm. away. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> we circle around to where we started. Yeah. Yeah, and I I think in in so many lives of moms, what what happens, especially when you have young children um, that are just, you know, need you all the time, it's hard because a lot of those like passions and like God-given desires and gifts are set aside for a time. So it's awesome that you had that just renewal experience and and so I'd love to ask you just currently, um, or maybe recently, I don't know, have you been working on anything in particular or have you finished anything recently? Um, any paintings? Um, I'm working on some paintings that are of sort of passageways um, that are based off of some of the architecture that I, that I've, seen in Italy my last few trips. I, I have an extensive series of church interiors. Um, and this is related to those in the sense that the, the forms like the archways are the same, but these are kind of like seeing daylight through those gateways, um, rather than just like the architectural interior. And I've also been starting to get back to, um, my series about, about the Virgin Mary. So I have a, um, um, a series of paintings that's based, based on the Annunciation um, loosely, but also incorporating different images of Mary, um, particularly 
inspired by a medieval hymn, um, which speaks about, um, so the, for example, the first line is Mary, the dawn, Christ, the perfect day, Mary, the gate, Christ, the heavenly way. Mm. So, um, you know, Mary and the dawning light, Mary and, you know, the doorway or this threshold or gateway. And so I've been getting back to that. Um, although that just has been really slow, but, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but I did recently put together, um, I really wanted to incorporate the text somehow into sort of, you know, visually represent how the, the paintings relate to the text. So I had, um, a graphic designer like overlay the the poem onto one of my paintings and I have that um as a free download on my website that um if you want to like read the poem in more detail because it's it's really just a, a beautiful set of images and it's really helped me like that particular Marian hymn I mean there's there's many but that particular one has has really helped me see how Mary points to Jesus um, and, or just like leads to Jesus, you know, Mary's not the day, but she's the beginning of the day because <laughs> she gave birth to Christ. Um, and so in a, I guess in a more, in a more, you know, poetic way, it's helped me understand the relationship between Mary and Jesus more profoundly. Beautiful. I love that. And I'll definitely link to that in the show notes as well for people who are interested. Um, and I wanted to ask you, I mean, now that you you have children, um, two younger kids, you said three and five, is that right? Or two? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. So do they, do they draw and paint as well? Or how are you able to, do you feel like you can share that passion with them a little bit at this age? Um, I, I mean, they like to color and draw and I don't, really direct them in any way. I just, I love to see what they come up with on their own. And, and it's interesting because I think they both have sort of different, um, like different interests, even in what they'll draw or what they'll, what they'll color. Um, and so I don't, you know, like at this point, I mean, they don't really take instruction anyway. So there's, <laughs> I'm just more interested in like, I, I, they have free reign of the washable markers and the like giant ream of paper. Mm. And, um, and I'm always interested in what they say they're, they're making. And, you know, I'll, I'll, we'll, we go to the art museum and kind of, you know, race through the rooms. (laughs) (laughs) Don't touch that. All right. We're going to the children's center. Um, So I, uh, I mean, I'm such a, in terms of painting, it's like, well, that's messy. Like we don't, we'll do that. we do that outside sometimes. And I think when, I think when they're a little bit older, um, I'll be able to, I'll be able to interact with them, uh, on that level a little bit more when it, when it's not so much just damage control. Sure. Um, that makes sense. <laughs> but I do, you know, we do look at, um, 
you know, we look at pictures, we look at art and we, I have a lot of, you know, particularly, particularly religious images around the house. And it's, it's just amazing when we'll go to the art museum and I'll be like, what do you think this picture's of? And they'll, she says, well, that's Jesus and Mary. I'm like, well, good job. Like you're, you're 10 steps ahead of my community college students awesome. who like, <laughs> yeah. can't always name that. Um, so, you know, we're just sort of building a familiarity with, with images and, um, and context at this point. That makes sense. Um, do you save, like, I'm just thinking about my own, um, kids art and like coloring. Do you save everything or do you have like a tips for people for like, I don't know. Oh Oh my gosh. Um, (laughs) I save more than a lot of my friends do. Um, I, so as I've discovered, as I like, you know, say things to friends and they're like, Oh, I don't save anything. I'm like, really? Mm-hmm. Um, I also, I save things which I, which I think are interesting. I don't save everything because that would just be like ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but if it's something new, like, you know, we haven't, they haven't drawn the family in this way before or, um, or the story is like particularly crazy, um, <laughs> then I'll save that. Or if it's, um, I mean, then this is, you know, me as an art teacher, if I think that the, like the marks or the way that they've used multiple media, like marker and pencil and tape, and <laughs> like, if I think that that's like something that's, you know, that's either new for them or I like, you know, the way that there's, you know, some sort of color overlap or something that's, that I find visually interesting in it, you know, like I'll keep that. Mm-hmm. Um, I am beginning to find that there's one child's drawings that interest me and I'm inclined to keep a little bit more than the others. And so I'm trying to like, <laughs> figure out how to deal with that sure. like, do, I, do I keep less of of the one or do I try and like find you know keep more of the ones that I'm actually don't really find that interesting um and because I don't certainly don't want them to find like you know a box someday of like <laughs> but I do think that that one of them um has a little bit more of a proclivity for visual representation than the other. Um, so I did, I did start a file box last year, um, which apparently, which evidently I'm only do, I'm only going into like once a year, but I basically just have a box. I have two, this is my secret. I have two baskets on top of the refrigerator and they're both like wicker baskets. One of them is the recycle, like the general paper recycling. And the other one is papers that I w- want to save and will go through and put in the file box. Like, I don't know, sometimes. Sure. Yeah, that's good. I love it. And so they are starting to figure out which basket is which, but if by chance somebody says, what happened to such and such a paper, I can say it's on top of the fridge. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. No one need know which basket I put it in. 
That's funny. That's so that's my that's my little secret for um how to respectfully recycle. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. That's helpful. I love also love they have a file box. That's I think that's great. And then every once in a while you just fill it up with a few and then you've got the basket back on the fridge. So that's awesome. Yeah, so I the basket on top of the fridge is pretty full right now because it's the end of the school year. And so I do need to go through that and like certainly before August. <laughs> right. Empty that out and put it into like, you know, three year old, you know, this kid and five year old, this kid and um uh make that all nice and archived. That's great. So um you mentioned are are you still an art teacher? Do you teach at a local school or um, I have not been teaching since we moved here that I have not um, found an opportunity to do so and have been a little bit uncertain in the direction that I want to go with that. Sure. Um, that's actually a, a current discernment process that I'm in the middle of. Um, so yeah, so that's where I'm at with that. But I did teach um, at the college level for eight years in Massachusetts. Okay, great. So um, I'm wondering, Michelle, if you have any, like, tips or um, just encouragement for moms who are listening to this who had, like, a strong, you know, passion for something in particular that because now they have little children, it's not as much a part of their life as it used to be. Do you, do you have any... Um, I don't know, just encouragement or suggestions for still incorporating it, but I don't know, maybe not getting too stressed about it. <laughs> I'm not sure. I think it's legit to get stressed about it. Um, I guess that would be one thing. I mean, we've, we've made, you know, we've made sacrifices to pay for childcare so that I could continue working on my painting. Um, I mean, I do, I mean, I'm a professional, like I sell my work, but, um, it's still, like I said, you know, without family in the area, that's, it's a pretty significant line item on the monthly budget. And, sure. um, my husband's been, you know, completely supportive of that because, and so it's partly so that I can, you know, maintain my professional pathway that I've been doing, it's partly, um, you know, I, I built up a momentum in the first, you know, 35 years of my life that I was not about, you know, just because I had kids late later to, um, to put aside. Um, but also we all know like me and him, um, that's, I will be a much happier, I'm a much happier person when I am able to, um, to do what I am passionate, like to do what I'm gifted to do essentially. So, um, you know, I, <laughs> I feel better. It's like, Oh, I got to do this today. I got to, you know, I got to, I'm participating in, in, in my own gifts, but then also like, you know, I have ways in which I'm involved in, you know, 
the wider or smaller or wider community, like with my artistic gifts. And that's me living out, um, you know, the living out the gifts that God has given me living out my vocation as an artist. And, and so that means that I can come back and be a more focused mother and a happier mother Mm -hmm. because, because I was able to step aside from that for a little while. Um, so, you know, I think every family has to discern for itself how it can navigate such things. But I know for us, it, um, I don't feel like, (laughs) I don't feel conflicted about like, you know, taking the time to work because I know that that is, um, a part of who God made me to be. And, um, and that it's important for, you know, if it's important for him, if it's serving him, then, you know, we'll fig like, he'll help us figure out how I can still serve my family also. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, and, and he's, he's, he's provided, I, like I said, you know, we, we, we have this monthly line item in the budget, but we always, we're always able to pay for it. And, and when I think we're not, then, you know, I sell a painting or, you know, something, something like that comes along. And, um, and so I'm able to kind of maintain this. And so, I don't know. Does that answer the question? Yeah, I, I think that's yeah. great, actually. And I think it's really important that you brought it up because if if God has given you a gift that he wants you to use, you know, for his glory, you know, you got to, you've got to make that happen. And when that happens, like sacrifices need to happen as well. I just, I think about like, um, just in my own life, how I, I feel like, um, you know, I feel like God wants me to continue with this podcast, but for us, that does mean like making sacrifices in other areas, which I've, I've mentioned on the podcast before. Like I, I, I work on this on Fridays, but that means then my husband can't work and on, on Fridays Mm and, and, um, you know, with whatever you feel like is important, um, an important gift that the Lord's given you, you know, sometimes that means there's going to be sacrifices in other areas. Um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, I, I love that you bring that up. And I also love that you bring up that you feel like you can serve your family better or love your family better when you have that opportunity to, you know, step away and work for a little bit. And then you come back, you know, ready to love your family better. I think that's beautiful. I, I feel like that, you know, just that idea of like, love your neighbor as you love yourself. And that like, we really, we really, really do need to take care of ourselves as moms and as, I mean, as people, we need to take care of ourselves as people. And if we're not being cared for and nobody's going to care for us except ourselves, like, let's face it. Um, <laughs> nobody's looking out for mom except <laughs> she's got to look out for herself. Um, then, then we, we just can't do our job. And so that's going to look like what, you know, what you need as a, person as a mom, as a woman, whatever is going to, it's going to look different for each person, but there's nobody that can do that for you. Um, there's just, there's isn't. And so I, I feel like that's something that I, 
I learned while I was single um, and have been able to then sort of transfer. I've been able to bring that into my family life. And I think some people learn it, you know, in the midst of family life, Mm -hmm. but um, I mean, it's the same. It doesn't matter even if you're married or if you have kids or not, like you, you have to love yourself and you have to take care of yourself. And otherwise you can't do the things that God put you here to do. He didn't just put you here to, he, he didn't just put you here to give. He also wants to love you but you have to like (laughs) you have to be a participant in that yeah that's great yeah thanks for saying that michelle um so michelle what would you say is your favorite part of your home and why there's a chair in the corner of our bedroom that i like to sit in um and i like to look out from that chair because from the other opposite direction then you look looking towards the chair there's a whole bunch of clutter But from the chair, looking the other way, um, it's just, it's a calming blue and there's these breezy white curtains on the windows. And, um, you know, we've been working, (laughs) everything in our house is kind of like needs something like it needs the trim painted or the ceiling painted or like something, something. But the, that, that bedroom is, um, making significant progress. And, and that's a really pleasant place. I also really like our backyard. Um, it has a fence, (laughs) it has a covered patio. Um, and so it's a great place for the kids to play. And I like to sit on the, um, like on the patio and, and just hang out out there while the kids are running around. And, um, and that's, it's also where, because of the way that our house is laid out, it's not great for large groups of people, but our backyard is really good for large groups of people. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're just now moving into the season where I feel like I can like invite everybody again. Yeah. That's <laughs> great. I don't have to worry about where they're going to go. <laughs> that, they're going to do. That's awesome. We, we have a fenced backyard as well. And I just love that for the kids. It's awesome that they can just be out there playing and <laughs> it just, you know, brings yeah. you peace of mind. That's awesome. And it means that people like to come to our house. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and Michelle, what have you been loving recently? Um, well, I have just planted a whole bunch of bushes in our yard. So I've been to the nursery like twice a week for the last month, either looking for <laughs> just the right bush that's going to grow to just the right size with just the right amount of sun (laughs) Um, or buying like my, the flowers sort of, you know, one batch at a time and then, you know, buying this bush and then buying the other bushes. And then I've been, I sort of rearranged, well, I planted in the front flower bed and then I rearranged a bunch of plants. Like I moved them around I have to remember to water them tonight um, since I did all that rearranging. (laughs) So the, just the, like, um, bringing more flowers into my life is what I have been loving working on recently. And next year I'm going to be super loving it. That's great. That's awesome. And my last question, do you have any mom hacks to share? Uh, well, I shared my, on top of the refrigerator hack. Yes, that's great. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. 
I really love that. I mean, the only other one, because I'm, I'm not like a, you won't, you're not going to find me with like a mommy organizing blog or anything like that. That's like not my forte, <laughs> but I do um, try and plan the dinner menu out for the week before I go to the grocery store. Um, and that seems to be like one of the things that can help keep us going. Cause then, you know, at the beginning of the day, I sort of know what needs to be done in order for everybody to eat together, yeah. um, at the end of the day, that being said, um, in two minutes from now at four five o'clock, I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> that was my general, <laughs> that's my general practice. <laughs> oh, that's funny. That's great. I love it. Well, Michelle, thank you so much for coming on and just for sharing about your life. I, I really appreciate it and um, I've received a lot from it. So thanks so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, where can where can people find your work if they're interested in um, checking that out? My website is www.michellepain.com. So that's Michelle with two L's and P-A-I-N-E. Um, Michelle Arnold Payne is, I also go by and you can just Google Michelle Arnold Payne and my website will come up. But um, so that's the, the primary place. And I have um, prints as well as originals. So there's something for something for everybody. Awesome. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Let me go ahead and close this in prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for this time today. I thank you for all the women listening. I pray that whatever they're doing right now, Lord, that they would know your presence and know your love for them. I pray God that, um, this week that you would give them an opportunity to, uh, find rest and, Um, refuge in you, Lord. And um, we love you. And we pray all this in your holy name, Jesus. Amen. Hi, friends. Thanks for listening in. I loved hearing from Michelle today, especially about her spiritual journey. It really prompted me to think about my own faith journey and how the Lord has used certain passions and events in my life to bring me closer to him. This week, while you're doing dishes or driving to work, or enjoying a rare moment with a hot cup of coffee, take some time to think about what events or gifts or passions the Lord has used in your own life to draw you nearer to Him. Thanks again for listening in. Until next time, you all are in my prayers. God bless.